Welcome to episode 510 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 510 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going? I am very good, Bevan. Very excited. Why are you excited? I Am Talk 10-year anniversary camp or week training weekend is coming up this weekend. I'm, I was pretty excited until yesterday when my foot started playing up, but I'm still going to do it. But bloody, my body. You're a broken old man. I'm seriously, <clears throat> a, I, uh, but I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to do it. Go. I've got a little bit of plantar fasciitis actually. It's kind of a little bit bad, but I'll be able to run a marathon. Yeah, surely, surely. <laughs> After 180k riding, we're doing some. Water. I did. I'll um, talk about this later on. But I did do a bike ride the other day, which gave me a little bit of confidence in my biking. Uh, just say, Porno popped in. He's just mm-hmm. in his hill reads. Yep, mm-hmm. popped in. He's doing the Boston Marathon this weekend. Good luck, Porno. Oh no, no, this two week? weekends. Two weekends away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So he's doing the Boston Marathon. First time going over to Boston, trying to get that sub three. Mm. He's telling me he's he's trained for a 255. Right, so okay. you know, yeah. we just leave a little bit in the bank mm. for that kind of stuff if at the end. So come on, porno, don't 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 edit that bit out and put it out to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I am talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. social networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance, your lactic buffer, Team Oxygen and uh, that's a great coaching team if you want to get yeah. some good coaching. So you can check them out. We're actually going to get someone from them on the show today. Yes, and our patrons. Yeah, we've got many great patrons, John. Name a couple. Thierry Bessadi Dialis. What a name. Dirty little secret. Wow. Good old the holy hammer, Murray Lapworth. He was out there hammering at the weekend. Adam the Flipper Philby. What's, what's his name? Leon Thedon Parry, Robotry. Nice. And good old Michael Collins, Built to Last. Mm. Okay, do you guys, in this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Are we going to talk about our answers from last one? I wasn't sure about that. So last week, our hot topic was uh, sort of questions for us for the 10-year anniversary. So I think maybe we should hold it off till next week. Because what, th- what I'm going to try to do now, it's probably not going to be next week, but the week after, but Ross Little has been listening to every episode from the beginning and giving me tidbits mm. to, to, to edit together. Now, it's a big job. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's given me all the tidbits, and what I want to do is I'm going to try – I'm up in Auckland next week. Do it the week after because I'm away that week, I think. Okay, well, maybe that's what I'll do. So mm. the week after – so maybe we can do it this week because next week we're going to have interviews from the weekend. Okay. And then the week after, what we'll do is we'll do the tidbit show. Mm-hmm. And I can just do that when I'm in Auckland because I'm working outside of work and I don't have much to do. So, okay, so there you go. So we are going to answer the questions. Okay. okay. Uh, we've got uh, an interview. Yeah, with Rob Wilby from Oxygen Addict. What are we talking about? We're talking a bit about sort of bike intensity and how to use that with your Ironman training. Nice. And then we've got a high five and we've got some questions and answers at the end. Jumbo. You're excited. Tell me about it, John. So the 10-year anniversary is this weekend. You're almost like a pointer sister. We had, uh, I had my Sea to Sky challenge at the weekend. Which we're going to hear about soon. Yes, and water temperature is, is not actually too bad. Oh, good. It's about 16, 17 degrees. But there is a southerly coming through on Thursday night. Right. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, we don't look at long range weather forecast. Well, so. I Joe did. Joe <laughs> said the good, in some ways, I want to trust the long range because she said that Sunday perfect. Mm. So if that's what we're going. That won't affect the water temperature too much. No. So we got, this is looking good. I've just uh, rerouted, uh, routed or routed. Uh, like a bit of routing. <laughs> yeah. The bike course for the, we've got a couple of options that we're giving the athletes. So the full Monty is uh, actually going to be 185 Ks with 2,672 metres of climbing. 
Now, what's going to be at the end? Because you go past my house at the end. I'm going to go home and just go into a little ball in my in my garage and watch. Because that's uh, what I'm wondering. Because a, we've got, we've got what time we start? Uh, I can't remember. So seven fifteen maybe. Okay. So and you reckon we eight seven hours right time? Yeah, we eight hours at least for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because we've got mixed abilities, obviously. So yeah. we look about eight hours out there. So it means we're getting in about three. Hmm. And then what time's our function that night? Seven, I think. I think I'm going to be needing some sleep, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody will be. So, but at the end of it, does, does people just disperse, do they? Well, like, I think no so, because we're going to be meeting, all, otherwise we'll just be sitting at a cafe for two hours waiting for different people to come in. So, we'll be meeting up again that day. It's not like we're not we're okay. saying. So, well, I know this one, but this one, hey, John. I'm just trying to figure this out for the okay. people coming along. So it's about 185Ks, and then we're going to have options for people to do it a little bit shorter. It's still going to be an epic way, epic ride, whichever way you look at it. And then our run on Sunday, if you want to kind of get a feel for what we're going to be going through, uh, have a look at the I Am Talk Facebook page, and I posted some pictures up there from our Sea to Sky Challenge at the weekend, and the run that the run pictures you'll see are pretty much what we're going to be uh, doing at the weekend. It is a stunner. Do, um, on the ride... Mm. When they're coming back over the hills, are you going up Governor's Bay or up Cooper's Knob? Cooper's Knob. Oh, good stuff. Mm. Just to just lay another hill. So, so I did a ride last week, John. I was going. I went to Wanaka for one day, which is mm-hmm. a long way to go and come mm-hmm. back. And uh, I rode 100k. Nice. Rode to Hines. Had a mm-hmm. good ride, John. I didn't have a tailwind mm-hmm. either. I didn't, like mm-hmm. I think I was just kind of pretty calm. Downhill. Yeah. And that's kind of actually uphill. Okay. You know what's really interesting? Is Hines is higher than here. Really? Right where we are right now. If I knew where Heinz was, it'd be great. Well, it's basically 20Ks past Ashburton. Right. So actually, it's actually, no, probably two-thirds of the ride was slightly up, mm-hmm. and then the last two was slightly down. But um, but yeah, you're actually climbing from here up to this point, mm. which which I found really fascinating. Mm-hmm. But average 33 k John. Crikey, yeah. yeah. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, sitting on your wheel. I was, I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised, and that's my average speed. That wasn't like, you know, for one moment. Yeah. You know, and I was like, wow, man. Like, I admittedly, I felt great. And I had a whole, I didn't do the no fat, I had six hot cross buns before I left <laughs> a shitload of fat. So I did a carb and fat diet. And I just felt really good. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm going to be very conservative this weekend. Mm. But it was kind of nice to get out and pop out a road like that. So 33k an hour for you Yankees is uh, just over 20 miles an hour. And on a New Zealand road, that's actually pretty good going. I did have an advantage. Of a big truck passing me every couple of minutes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they gave me the gust of wind. Yeah. So I was I was pleasantly surprised with that because um like I haven't ridden it, but like I was saying last week, that's the first time I've done 100k since 2008. Mm. So to pull, I was pretty happy with that ride. But again, I'm going to be not trying to push any tempo come this weekend. So it's not too late if you want to sign up. Um, just get onto the IM Talk page or flick me an email. Um, we're happy to have more than a lot of pe- more people along. And even if you just want to do aspects of it, so yes. if you want to come along, like I know my mate Jeff's going to come and do the bike. Paul, yep. who was here before, is going to do half the runs. So if you're in mm. Christchurch and you've got some training you want to do, you're more than welcome. The more the merrier. But I'm putting in the pie order today. I think so. If you don't, so how get does in, the pie order work? Well, I'm going to. Order the pies with the shop that we'll stop at on the way back and they'll have them nice and warm ready for us. And I'm planning on calling them when I get to the top of the hilltop, which is a big climb we do, and then it's basically about 10Ks down to the cafe. I'm going to put on my uh, iced chocolate order at the top there, so then by the time I get there, so if it's If you're waiting. running a bit late, what happens with the pies? They'll just sit there keeping warm. Ah. So what's going to happen? So we almost pretty much do your own ride? How does it work? Pretty much. We're going to have two groups. One group is going to be going a slightly longer way to the base of the climb. So we have about a 60k ride on the flat first. And so we'll be riding about 7k's longer than the other group. And then the idea is that we'll sort of start to catch them probably uh, towards the top of the climb. 
and uh, we just disperse and get into little groups and survive. It's such a hilly, hard ride in the middle yeah. that we'll all just, there's no point waiting, just yeah. get on with it. And then keep and then from there just keep riding. So there's yep. no stop point. You're not going to try and stop an Ikaro or well, anything. No, nah. well, we'll have a stop and grab some food, but yeah. no okay. coordinated stop. And for people who are from out of town, how are they going to not get lost? Um, they just read the maps. There you go. Read the map. There you go. Is that no bloody Iron Man team? You're not paying a thousand dollars, okay? So yeah. there you go. Uh, John, but you had your race. Tell us about it. Sea to Sky Challenge. It is worth people coming from out of town from this race next year. I've been race directing for a while, never had feedback like it. People were finishing and just buzzing. It was a wicked, wicked course. It did help that we had potentially one of the best days ever in April weather-wise. Yeah. It was a perfect temperature. It was 20, about 25 degrees centigrade, um, and there was no wind, and it was just and there was a, it was little, a perfect day. Wasn't it was it? just yeah. perfect for racing, eh? Perfect, yeah. absolute perfect racing, which is very unseasonal. We're you know we're into autumn now, so it was uh, fantastic. Big 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 hilly bike ride, beautiful run. You know Sharon Brophy, don't you? I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Sharon. So I had a couple of people taking photos out there. One was my sister-in-law. One was another athlete um, who I give a program to, and they took some great photos. But Sharon's actually a really good Tough photographer. Yeah. She's had a, been a hobby for a long time. Her photos are amazing. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to check out what it was all about, go to our Facebook page. I am Talk Page, and I put some pictures up there. And yeah, people. I had a couple of guys over from Sydney, and they were saying, "Look, I'm going to get loads of people over here for this next year." Oh, so time. it's one of those races. It's only sprint distance. The winner took, uh, I think it was about one hour twenty-three. And uh, but the, 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 our last competitor was a guy's eighty-two, and uh, he said to me before the race, "I said, because I was, a bit, I said, what time are you going to finish?" Well, how long do you think it's going to take you? Because I figured you're going to be last. And our big challenge was we had to get all the bikes. It was a split transition. We had to get the bikes from T2 back to the race site. Yeah. You said you know, there might be a problem. Was and it was a out? bit of a problem. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I figured, and we, but we couldn't get them out until the last athlete was off the bike because we were going back into the uh, – it was on a narrow road and he'd still be coming towards them. And I said, what time are you – how long are you going to take? And he said, I'll be finishing at 108. Okay, <laughs> and so he'd mapped it all out, and uh, and he, he said, "I'm going to finish at 108." Uh, in hindsight, he finished at 12:40. Oh, well, so he's 28 nice. minutes oh, well. quicker. No, that's good. But there was one downside of the day that our last trip of the for the for picking up the bikes there was a bit of a delay. People had to sit around, but it was a beautiful day, so I was um, wasn't too stressed about it. Uh, just looking at Sharon's photo, uh, Philinator. What is it? The, 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 the material provider. The material provider, Phil Phil Patterson. Or the Iron Talk onesie. Well done, Phil. It, it was an amazing finish. I, I was standing at the finish and just sort of looking around. And I was actually just standing next to his wife and his kids and uh, my kids. I said, oh, Phil, Phil's just finished. And I looked over and Melina was right there. Oh, really? And uh, Ian Wood was right there also from Christchurch. So sprint between the boys? And they were laying it all down. Phil caught Melina and Ian Wood in the last downhill section like with a couple of hundred meters to go put the afterburners on and uh took them down but pretty impressed with melina's performance well that's what i'm gonna say as much as you take out melina in a sprint how old is melina in comparison to phil i know so melina had uh, it's always a slightly disappointing one that one isn't it yeah great swim bike i mean melina is is slowing down a bit with the the running now and that's where they got him but uh very impressed with his performance and uh, he's not doing epic camp france and i hear there's a call for him to be heading over yep lou Louis the Fly wants him to go. Come on, Lou. Come on. Come on, mate. You know you want him. Um, okay. Uh, so, good time. So, next year? 
Yes, C2SkyChallenge.com. It'll be some stage in mid to mid to late March. Uh, chances are it probably won't be quite as warm. The sea could always be a little bit cold, but it is an amazing course. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's a pretty special course. Well done, Jumbo. Okay, so some results. We, we're going to talk a couple of 70.3s because they had some pretty strong fields this weekend. And first of all, we're going to talk Oceanside 70.3. Amazing field. Jeez, Lionel Sanders just tore it up. Ran a 111 as well as biking a 207, which matched Andre- Andreas Dreitz. Uh, he still can't swim to save himself. He's uh, three minutes off the pace out of the swim, and he only just managed to catch Andreas Dreitz in the run. Went one three fifty one seventeen versus uh, Dreitz's three fifty one fifty six. But man, what a field! You got Tim Reed, Andy Potts, and Nico Lanos, Jesse Thomas, Trevor Wordle, Sam Appleton, uh, Jordan Rapp, Matt Hanson, Sebastian Keenley. Something must have happened on the bike. He lost, uh, he, you know, his 10, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but man, Joe Gamble's in 14th place, Mikey 12, 6, 16th place. Um, amazing field. We haven't seen a lot of Jordan Rapp in the last period of time. Like, There's a period where Jordan was really doing really well. Never at 70.3, really. No, like, but even on Ironman, Man. we haven't seen him. Mm. You know, like, because he won, didn't he win Texas? Yep, he did, and had a great race there. Yeah, so, so he had a, he's, you know, we just haven't seen him, his name pop up as much, maybe. So, Girl side of things? Girl side of things, uh, Heather Wirtle took it out from Caroline Stephan, uh, Heather Jackson. Again, you got Camille Peterson in fifth, Alicia Kay in sixth, Marybeth Allison eighth. Just amazing fields. Uh, Why? But this time of year? It's time you get into the swing of things, but these guys aren't going to be making uh, aren't going to be making a buck from that. Which so we we want to see great fields, but we also feel sorry for these guys that are fin- you know, top pros finishing in tenth, fifteenth place and not getting any money. Uh. Getting nothing, John. Getting yeah. nothing. So nothing. Great racing, and then uh, Crowy was turning back the clock as well. He took out pretty the impressive, really, isn't it? Petraya race seventy point three, beating another, some again some really good guys: Josh Amberger, Stuart Hayes, Brad Carterfelt, Freddie Cronenberg. Etc. Um, took him out. Very very hot race over there. So Crowy's still uh, still got a bit in the tank. And the girls' side when of things. Was last time we saw Crowy do an Ironman? Was it Melbourne? Uh, I can't remember. We obviously remember he bombed out in his last Kona. So not quite sure. Yeah, has he done an Ironman since then? Sure. I think he did Melbourne. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. There's the one where he ran it with um with Brownie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do some research on that one. Uh, Radka Vitakova took out the girls' race again. Good field. Liz Blatchford, Kate Bevelacqua, Beth Gerds. Um, so, yeah, good. We're going to start seeing a bit more racing coming up. Yes, heading back at that time of the year. Okay, here we go. IMM results, uh, 7.3 Geelong. No, that no. was 2014. No, he hasn't got his last results up. They kind of stop at 2014. So This weekend, we've got Ironman South Africa. Um, apparently they've just changed the course a little bit according to, to Torsten and very uh, South Africa is always a very weather dependent course you know it's often pretty pretty windy um, we did have Spas- uh, not Sebastian Keenley uh, Fredino was signed up but he's obviously injured so not racing so good field a lot of uh, very strong South Africans you've got Bar Steederen in there Ronnie Shildnick and then the South African trio of Matt Trotman James Carnema and Kyle Buckingham and Tim Van Berkel ben from Hoffman. Australia Ben Hoffman's only seated down uh, 11th on Torsten's ratings so he must have had a few bomb out races over his career not to be rated a bit higher but he is seeded number Marco six Albert. by those guys so should be some good good racing girl side of things could be an absolute gbr domination you got jody swallow lucy gossage susie cheatham and oh corinne abraham's been scratched so the top three seeds are all gbr then you got diana race ricer 
Amanda Stevens and Annabelle Luxford. Be interested to see how she goes from Australia. Very good short course and half Ironman athlete. Don't think she's got many Ironmans under her belt, so we'll see. This may well be her sort of first step towards Kona. Do we have any other races in, um, in Africa? Like Iron, I know this Iron the, Distance? Because this is the championship race for mm. Africa. Mm. But is it the only race in Iron Distance in Africa? I'm going to say yes it is, I think. In fact, I don't think there'd be any 70, even 70.3s outside of South Africa. Mm, There's definitely a few races, a few French, the French, because uh, maybe in Morocco, I think the French, you know, it was a French colony, I think the Frenchies run one or two races over there. Um, but in terms of 70.3s or anything like that, I think it's basically restricted to what you get in South Africa. So it's a 4,000 point race. There's 150,000 US prize money and automatic kind of slots for the winners of both the female and the male. So an important race and good field. Yep. Yeah, good, good sort of field. Yep. I think Hoffman's the interesting one mm. after last year. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he backs it up. Mm. You know, so <clears throat> hopefully he can kick some butt. Uh, John Bobo, our person, I think, is ready to do the interview. So. I'll quickly do my ITU update to tell him we're, we're on a, on our way. Uh, last weekend we had uh, the ITU World Cup. So remembering the World Cup is sort of the, the second tier of ITU races. Um, you have the World Triathlon Series and the World Cups. And we had it in New Zealand, actually. It was in New Plymouth. And Gwen Jorgensen took it out from Andrea Hewitt. So good to see Andrea back racing pretty strongly. She did try to go toe-to-toe with Jorgensen for a while on the run. It was only sprint distance. Um, and one thing ITU have done really well, like this is a second-tier race now. You know, it's a World Chat World Cup race. But they've built it up over the years where they get – it is a second-tier race, but they get a fantastic international field. How did they get Gwen? Well, they were training out here anyway, oh, okay. and, and next weekend we've got the Gold Coast, Gold yep. uh, Coast. So just using it as a bit of a hit out before that. But ITU have done a fantastic job now. You know, so in New Plymouth, you know, on the girls' side of things, they had around about fifty starters on the, that side of thing, and just a uh, multi nations. You know, just uh, you know, all countries represented. It used to be you just have the host nation and then a spattering of um, international. Yeah, it'd be like a, it was kind of Kiwis and Australian mm. couple of islands. Whereas now you got everything, and they've really set it up so it is a breeding ground. You got you, you often have a few top kahunas come along and uh, dominate the dojo. But yeah, fantastic development program, and wouldn't it be great to see something like that in, in Ironman? What kind of prize money? It's reasonable. I mean, a lot of the time these athletes. The prize money is not such a big issue because they're, they're being funded, funded yeah. by their national federations. So a lot of them won't be getting anything, but it won't be costing them anything to get there. So great development program that they've got running there. And then on the guys' side of things, uh, again, you had top athlete Richard Murray running away with it, uh, and he took it out from Andreas Schiedling. And then so Ryan Sissons, our Kiwi, got uh, out sprinted for um, third place. He had finished in fourth. And then the guy who was third, Rostilav, Pepezov from Azerbaijan. So you had first place South Africa, second Denmark, Azerbaijan third, New Zealand fourth, Bel- uh, Belgium okay. fifth, Ukraine, Israel, Mexico, Luxembourg, and USA down tenth. So There's no double country in the first yeah. top ten. Well, so great, great stuff. Yeah, it is good uh, stuff. And this weekend we head off to Gold Coast for the next round of the World Championships World Triathlon Series. And what is exciting for me is the Brownleys are, are back racing and I'm fascinated to see. It, I just get the feeling that the gap has been closing over the last couple of years. You know, Alistair Brownlee, a few years ago, it was a lay-down Mazir. He's just going to smoke everybody. Lay-down Mazir. <laughs> is that poker? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 
Brownie's just smoking it and you say there's hardly ever a contest. You know, Jonathan might get close or Gomez might get close, but unless he cocks it up, he's going to win. Uh, we haven't seen much of Alistair Brownlee in the last couple of years. He's sort of been coming and going a bit, mainly due to, to injuries. And we've really seen the likes of Mola step up and, and Gomez obviously continuing to do well. So it's going to be really interesting. Gomez isn't racing. He wasn't on the start list. Uh, so I'm going to be really intrigued to see how the Brownleys go and, and whether or not uh, the, the, the gap has shrunk or, or they are still the dominant force. So the, the big trump card they've always got is always going to be out there in the swim and they've got the potential to be in the breakaway on the bike whereas a couple of the other guys um, are usually going to be in the second or third pack and it could be race over if the Brownies get And this is an important going. race isn't it because mm. we've got we've got this is big selection race isn't it Yep for a lot so of countries. everyone's going to be laying it down aren't they mm. And I did notice that Braden Curry our Kiwi has actually made the start list um, yeah, That's interesting why did that happen? Well, you can do all sorts of things like subbing athletes in, so you can enter someone like a, a Tony Dodds or something like that, and then you can sub athletes in. So I'm not quite sure how they managed to do it, but there is, is ways of getting getting your athletes. And so what in. would he need to do? He'll need to be on fire. But what would, like obviously, as a player, well, need to Garrett, get- if you, I think. It, I'm not sure on the exact criteria for New Zealand and whether they're using it as a selection race, um, but you know the, the criteria is usually you've got to finish in the top eight. Absolutely no way he'll do that, but you know he could still put in a really strong showing. And if he blows people out of the water, then he could be in contention because it's basically we have one athlete who's basically selected, and then another slot for someone if they sort of put their hand up. Would the Olympic Committee fund someone like Brayton? No. no. Okay. Almost, I'd almost categorically say that they wouldn't. Okay. And then Courtney Atkinson, really interested to see how he goes for the Aussies because he is uh, trying to make the Olympic team as well. And he's got a bit of an uphill battle because there's some other good good Aussies, but it's not a done deal yet. Okay, John, but let's do a pause because we've got an interview. We'll be back in one second, guys. And we are back, John. But one, one piece of news we need to talk about. I got an email through from uh, good old uh, Nick Pollock. Mm-hmm. Because the Pommies beat us in the cricket, John. Yeah. And uh, he's got his head. <laughs> it was quite good. To maintain John's bullet points requirements, Poms strike again. Mm. But they didn't strike in the final, did they, they John? Smoked. They didn't. They, well, they didn't get smoked. Because I woke up, because I woke about 4.30 that morning. And I, no, I probably woke up about 5. And I looked at my I looked at the app, because I was kind of mm. interested to see if, who was going to win the final. And I thought, the Poms have got it. This, mm. this is a no-brainer. Like, I didn't even... Because I was going to get up and do some work and I thought I might watch it while I'm working. Mm. Didn't even bother turning it on, John. <laughs> because I woke up and they were miles... In, I think there was three overs left. Mm. And so there was like 18 balls and the Windies needed like 40 runs off 18 balls. And at that stage, you're thinking, there's no way. There's no way it's going to happen because they're slow, slow to this point. How are they mm. going to get that kind of run rate? And then the last over, 19 runs were caught off six balls. Mm. A guy gets four, what was his name? Braithwaite or something? Braithwaite, I think. Yeah. Four sixes. Four sixes in a row. Yeah. Oh, you Pommies are, must have been gutted. You Americans are loving this cricket stuff. Oh, but the Pommies, you, I know the Pommies listeners were loving being us Kiwis, but yeah. you must have been gutted. Because that last over, you're going into that feeling pretty confident, aren't you? Yeah. You're going into it, we've got this. Yeah. You know, what could go wrong? Four sixes in a row. Yeah. Sensational. Oh, tell you what, you know what I found out. You're talking about getting up early in the morning. Yep. You, you know what out? I found out on Sunday morning? What getting up early? Yeah, I did get up early. Uh, I set my alarm for th- for three o'clock. I wanted to get out the race. I had to get out the race really early because there was a few things I wasn't happy about. In terms oh, of you forgot daylight savings. No, I knew it was daylight savings, and so I knew that. And and I figured, good old iPhone, that will just flick over, no problem. It does, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But so what I did is. I clicked on my phone, I woke up and I clicked on my phone and it said 2.45 and I yep. thought, oh, I might as well get up, so I'm getting up in 15 minutes anyway, I'm awake, I won't be able to get any more sleep. So I got up, 
had a quick shower, going down to my computer, check any last minute things coming in before I left, and the computer said two o'clock. I didn't realise that the clocks change at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, so at three o'clock I go back to two <laughs> so o'clock. So you actually had another hour. So I had another hour. <laughs> so what did you do? Did you go I got bed? out. I got, no, I got out there and I got organised. So it was uh, it was a long day. So I was effectively on race site at three o'clock oh, before three o'clock at about two forty-five. I think I actually now you say that because I think of the, the images they'll have on the news, mm. and it does show two to three. You mm. know what I mean? Like it does show that kind of time frame. So I think maybe kind of subconsciously I knew that but wow so got up mm. a little bit earlier John yes that's all good you were just keen yes it was a long day what you time did you go to bed that night uh, sort of 9 10 no 10 I think something like that what time so. did you finish up the day 10 at night day. yeah oh that's a big day it was a big day <laughs> how were you feeling yesterday I was like I was okay <laughs> functional Bevan uh, how are you going to be feeling this weekend I actually meant to bring you up some extreme endurance, but I forgot. So I'm gonna—I have to drop some up there because I think you're gonna need it. I, th- I think you're right, John. I think you're right. Swim—I'm I'm feeling a little bit. I think my swim is gonna get done. Yeah. Not—not putting any kind of just gonna get it done. Bike. I'm worried about the bike. Although last week's ride does give me a little bit of confidence, but it's a completely different ride. I was riding flat. Um, I'm just gonna be conservative and not play the game, which is really important. And run. I should be riding the run, although my foot's a bit of a pain in the butt, mm. but. But you, I, mean, I will drop up some extreme endurance. It makes a significant difference if you've if you've got something like this coming up, or you've got a big camp coming up, or you've got a race coming up. It can kick in within a couple of days, yeah, and, which will help. And so for Bevan, it's not going to help his um, performance per se. But much. you know what's actually really important for me is that then on Tuesday I go up to Auckland for, to do a massive work of group fit work, mm. and so doing a marathon I've done like I haven't done mm. like I haven't, I'm fit enough to do a marathon, but I haven't done the base training for this, mm. so I'm going to be pretty sore post run. So the better I can be because I've got to go do more important work exactly you know so definitely it'll be important so obviously it's not a race so performance is not massively important important so Bevan may not feel you know sensational just because of taking extreme endurance but what's going to help him is he'll do that bike ride on the first day and all of us will have pretty sore legs on the the, the next day but it's just going to reduce that amount of muscle soreness and inflammation and uh, and help you get through that uh, that run a little bit easier and just not have such sore muscles. So guys, check it out, xendurance.com. Got a race coming up. It is absolute gold in terms of giving you a little boost plus making sure that your recovery post-race is good. Kiwis, I've stocked it over here as well, and Aussies, we can send it over to you as well. The rest of you guys, check it out on xendurance.com. And... Uh, get stuck into it a lot of you guys have got races coming up so get your little stock ready for uh for the season coming up it is interesting the people who tend to use it love it don't they like the feedback we've always got is people who loved it and um i know like my mate jeff he's doing the worlds and the cycling and he's right into it and people you know just get on it at that important time of the season how tao from over in the uk you know he he he's done you know just a little few testing remember those 5ks he did he sort of did like three 5ks in, in over sort of three weeks or whatever it was and did some with and some without and and noticed a pretty significant difference and whenever i've been on it uh it's made a, a nice boost you know it's not going to mean you go from coming last in the race to coming first but it is really going to mean that uh you, you just recover so better, much quicker uh, you know mm. you know so the thing is if i can improve my quality of training I'm going to perform better, mm. yeah, well, in theory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've got actually. I want to do a coach's corner in a few weeks from now. Great. Yep. I will let you know about that later. <laughs> yeah. On. I've got a. I've got a topic, and, and also I actually released my latest version of fitness behaviour yesterday. So if you want to check that out, you can go to bevanjamesiles.com or subscribe on iTunes or any podcatcher you use. Okay, Jonbo. Discussion of the week. We're going to answer them now. So last week's discussion was with it being our ten year anniversary. We thought it would be a good chance for you to ask us some questions. So this week the discussion is what questions do you have for Bevan and John. 
and you can ask anything you want. Let's do them all, eh? Glenn Newbold, uh, Bevan, with you stepping away from the sport early into IM Talk formation, is it hard talking about something that you aren't personally involved in, uh, in beside every Tuesday morning with John? Um, is it hard? I have to admit, at times I don't have the insight, but to be honest, I never really had the insight. <laughs> it was never, yeah. it's, it's never really been my role in the show. John's definitely the guy who just has that real deep passion for... Um, understanding the kind of ins and outs of triathlon and my i've always seen my role in this show in particular is kind of more the feeder guy and just you know and it, it contributed a little bit but really in some ways even when i was right into the sport i think the thing that when i stopped doing iron man was the thing that i lost from the show was the kind of the experience of being the athlete i don't share so much i don't know mm. if i ever really gave that much depth to knowledge of triathlon in mm. some ways it was never really my buzz but yes yeah, so, so yeah maybe yeah but i don't i don't feel um, yeah, I, don't know. I think I know my place within the show. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, the show. You know, one of the things that I try to achieve out of the show is to make sure that you know, you guys out there know the names of some of the top athletes. You know, there's there's, there's not a lot of media coverage, and hopefully, we can highlight some of those pros and make sure that you know the names of the top guys around the world. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well is that I think sometimes if you get two people, it's like when you get a commentary team and everyone's trying to be the expert, mm. and you need the guy, you need the guy who's just telling you what's happening, you know, you know and exactly. I think when you're in these kind of teams of people, you kind of just got to know your role, mm. and I've always been happy to know that I'm the pleb. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a place, John. Okay, Ian Woods, God, what annoys you about each other? Just on the show, otherwise we'll be here for a while. Bullet points, please. I, I'll answer this first. Everything. Oh. No. <laughs> I can't say much. I can't say anything that really annoys you. I mean, it annoys me about you. Okay. I better say that too then. I'm sure my interrupting. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be the thing that everyone gives me a hard time about. Um, no, we love each other. We no. love us, not fighters. Yeah, there's not, there's not a huge amount that annoys me. It's not like I've ever gone, oh my God, John doesn't. Although, I'm a pretty relaxed soul. John's a bit more angry than me, so yeah. <laughs> maybe he's got an anger. I got a bit of anger on the weekend. No, I'm not going to say anything about that. Go uh, on, Zan- just say no names. No, Come on, it's your rent, John. They love the Zan- rent. Zanya, do you know that the grinder ground out an age group victory at the weekend? Oh, well done, grinder. Yeah. Uh, Zanya Morrison, one thing I haven't been able to find out in my 10 years of um, stalking, boxers or jockeys? Okay, I'm a boxer brief. Okay, so I like. I've, got, I've tried to go down that path. When I blinders tried to make me go down that path a couple of times, I'm not. I'm not liking it. Oh, don't you? So what no, do you? Just boxes. Oh no, I like the boxer brief. I don't. Oh, no. I don't even like. I, I would rather go undies than boxer brief. Um, boxes. Oh, no, I like boxes. Because just flopping around, mate. Yeah, I like a bit of control. Got have, have freedom. <laughs> I like the control of my package. Grant Petrie, John, uh, would you consider I am talk? Uh, oh, what would you consider I am talk's contribution to a triathlon? You kind of answered this, but maybe it's some more. Yeah, no, I think. I think one of the big things to me is yeah. Getting the pros out there, highlighting them, and and, and uh, that's a key thing because I just don't think that many other sources really do that. Mm. Magazines are kind of dead, aren't they? And, they really are dead, aren't they? And you know you can only read so much on you know Twitch and all those sort of things. So that's one of the key things is trying to keep keep pros out there and, and give them a little bit of voice and give them the opportunity to you know showcase their sponsors and and just get themselves a little bit more profile. One thing I would say is actually our biggest contribution to triathlon is we've helped training be more enjoyable. Mm. You know, because I know that pretty much 90% of people out there right now are riding your bike, going for a run or, or doing something to do with training. And that this is one of the things that you do in your week that helps your training enjoyable. And I think that actually while we have helped educate and um, and share, you know, the world and knowledge of the world throughout what we do, 
the actual highlight, because I know for my favourite podcasts, I wait for the day that those podcasts come. And, mm. and the activities I do when I'm listening to those podcasts are actually what are real highlights for me. So um, I think that actually our biggest contribution is just kind of making your training more enjoyable. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stacey Head, uh, top 10 podcasts. That's a bit of a tough one. Maybe favourite guests, favourite things related to triathlon. I am talking in the last 10 years. So what would, what would be your favourite interviews maybe? Yeah, I, I was just, as you were reading that out, I was just going on to legendsoftriathlon.com and that's by far the ones that I've enjoyed the most. I mean, it's been we've done some great pro interviews and, and what have you over the years on I Am Talk, but some of those ones that where people have got a lot more about them than I even realised beforehand. So, you know, guys like when we had Miles Stewart on recently, I had no idea that he had had a really successful career post-racing. And then people like Sarah Springman, who we interviewed a while ago, and the contribution someone like she has made for such a long time, those are probably the interviews that, I'm, um, that I enjoyed the most, you know, finding out loads of stuff about about people that I didn't know about. You know, when we, when we interview, say, you know, top athletes that have won Hawaii, you know, what was the experience like? How did that change your life? That's all good and, and interesting and stuff. But some of those people that are behind the scenes um, and have really helped shape the sport, I've absolutely enjoyed those interviews. It's really interesting. I'm looking at an interview archive right now. Geez, we've had some amazing people on the show over the years. There's two that really stand out for me. Um, Peter Reid mm-hmm. on Legends. When we first had Peter Reid early on, that was pretty significant for us. But I think Peter Reid is on Legends. Uh, like the thing I'm always interested in is the honesty of the person, and Peter Reid is actually he's always come across as as kind of a, a quieter guy, a bit more of a reserved character. You know, he's not like mm-hmm. a, a mecca. Um, but geez, he was honest in that, and and some mm-hmm. of the stuff he revealed in that interview, I just thought was really pretty amazing. And Mike Pig on Legends, oh yeah, yeah, Mike Pig's interview yeah. me on Legends, I just loved again. It was the honesty that I really loved, and the honesty about the fact of how hard it was to let go of the sport. Mm. Um, you know, and and it, that, that line he said, which still hits the note with me, was um, it's hard to stop being Superman. Mm. And, and I just you know I think you know for a pro athlete or any athlete in any sport, that's such a fascinating kind of experience to have to go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I, I thought his interview was really great, and also. Again, again, we've had lots of good ones on Iron Talk, but I just think that one we did with um, who was the reporter? Mike Plant. Yeah, Mike Plant. Yeah, and just his, his point about how he's he's said that triathlon has lost what it started about, and it was just that sense of guys going for an adventure or people going for an and adventure. That's what people loved about my race at the yeah, weekend. I'm sure, I'm sure, because it was purely just here's a challenge. Like the fillinator said, you know, you just go out there and you got no idea what time you're going to do. You just go and you go as fast as you can. And uh, it's an adventure, and it's like this weekend. Like it's really interesting for my experience for this ten week anniversary because I have to admit, I have been slightly concerned, and and I, ha- and I haven't really committed any real training to it. And also, I'm going to be going with a group of guys who, in my past, I would have expected to be with, and and I'm not going to be there. And it's my mindset has has just gone. You know what? Just have fun with the experience and enjoy the challenge. And that's what even when I race it was was always about. Mm. Try to get the ego out of the way and just enjoy the experience. And so, um, yeah, so. There's a few of my favourite ones. Uh, Brandon Del Campo, uh, who was your favourite guest host in 2006? <laughs> well, I was Brandon Del Campo. <laughs> Gary Fegan, uh, who ref- who's refused an interview on the show? I don't think we've had any, have we? We've had people not reply, and so. But it's more the hopeless, do you think, or do you yeah. think they try not to be on the show? Yeah. So I've never had anybody say to me, you know, if we went up and no, I'm not coming on the show. Um, but it's pretty obvious if you go through the legends of one. You know, I've contacted a pretty big chunk of who we would consider legends and if they're not up there then it's been they haven't replied to to, to be what i'd love to get is paula 
And I know she doesn't do interviews, but I think mm. in some ways she's doing a disservice to our sport by not doing an interview because we need mm. a record of her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like Legends is a great show and also the stuff that Mike Tinley's doing on his website about... Um, Scott Tinley. Scott yep. Tinley, sorry. What Scott Tinley's doing on his History of Triathlon podcast um, website. You know, like, this stuff's really important because we are such a young sport and there needs to be... I mean, as I was saying a few weeks ago, we're going to start seeing that first generation of triathlon start to pass away over this next period of time. Mm. And, you know, those stories get lost if people don't keep a record of them. And, and Paula is such a significant name in our sport. And, and I think mm. that it would be really good if we could get her on Legends and actually sit down and have a couple of hours where we can talk through her experiences. And, mm. and, you know, because I think even with that kind of perspective of, a you know years behind you what would be her perspective now so paula get on the show robert bieland what's in it for you cannot be the dough right <laughs> so it, i always think for us it's it, it, it it's it's a good hourly rate isn't it that's the way i look at it yeah you know, for the time we spend doing it it works out to be an okay hourly rate it's not a money maker we've never really made yeah. any money from it and to be honest if john didn't show do the show i probably wouldn't make any money from it because um, john's really good at that stuff so um, yeah, so but it's it's more than that, isn't it? it well, for me, it, from a from a career perspective, it helps me um, stay, stay really well connected to the community. It forces me to go know what's going on in the news, and I enjoy doing that. But if I didn't have the stuff, I'd kind of know what's going on, but I wouldn't be as well connected. And, and I like sharing that with other people. You know, I like saying, right, you know, did you know that I'm in South Africa's on this weekend? If, you, if if we weren't doing it, a lot of people wouldn't have a clue that it was on, or wouldn't wouldn't be engaged in any of the results. Likewise with the ITU, it connects, keeps me connected with that. And then from an educational point of view, you know, like we've got um, Rob will be on the show today from Team Oxygen Addict, and you know, he said he's learnt a huge amount from the show over the years. And it's often for me, if I don't know the answer to something, I think. Right, can I get someone on the show mm. to explain it to me and then and, and share that knowledge with you guys as well? So it's been quite an important educational tool for me and it certainly helps me with, with epic camps and coaching and stuff in terms of getting referrals from that, but um, that's yeah, probably not the main driver. And for me, because I'm not really, you know, like obviously I'm not trying to, I'm not a coach in this world. And so for me, it's it's kind of, you know, again, it's an okay hourly rate, but probably more importantly, I just enjoy it. Mm. Like I do love our Tuesday mornings, you know, mm. you kind of come around and we just kind of talk shit for a couple of hours and then, you know, I kind of enjoy that. And, uh, you know, I always think there's real, when you do something that contributes to other people's lives in a way that adds value is, is always really rewarding. And, and you guys have always been so generous in your feedback to us and, uh, you know, and, and letting us know that what we do is kind of helps your world. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Annette, uh, Annette Lee, I've got another one here. Uh, John, how have you changed your coaching style over the years and do you finally get the difference between men and women, not just the obvious? And then she's got one there for Bevan as well. Bevan, what age do you now think is really old given that you're now 10 years older than you were back in 2016? Yeah, we a lot of people, didn't we? <laughs> uh, what do I think is really old? I, I think really old is when you like, – it's not an age – I think it's when you have to slow down. Not mm. not slow down, when you are limited in what you can do. Mm. So whatever age that is in your life. And I've got, and I probably know the, the, the difference between men and women as, as much as you guys think you understand man, men, that's probably about as much as I understand <laughs> women. I don't have a clue half the time um, what is going through women's minds and that ain't going to change. Hopefully I'll get better. He's tried, he's tried. But I'm trying. 
Uh, Mike, Mike uh, Carl Trot's got what's the weather like today? It's uh, actually looking like a good day. Oh, it's pretty crisp when I was coming up here on the bike. We're starting to get into those winter months, aren't we? I'm, um, I'm not uh, going on the bunch ride today. I'm actually, at the moment, I'm in a, in a fasting state. I've um, with my study, we're doing uh, blood glucose testing first thing this morning at nine o'clock. So I haven't had anything to eat. So I've got to go in there and I can't do my bunch ride. Um, but I was biking up here this morning and man, I didn't have any gloves on. My hands were freezing. Um, Frank Lee, he's the one who actually helped us with our last outro. Um, he's just got, how do you maintain the enthusiasm over the years? Been listening since episode five. Many thanks from the Texas Ranger. Um, Stacey Head Davis, top 10. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, how, do we, how do we maintain the enthusiasm? Oh, how do we maintain the enthusiasm? Um, I don't know, it's just routine now. Yeah. You know, I, uh, Mondays, I've just got to f- dedicate some time. Every Monday last night, it was at about 8 o'clock at the night, and I was sitting there thinking, what the hell are we going to put in tomorrow's show? Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, just routine. And, and in the past, we um, we did it after our bunch ride on Tuesdays. We used to go out riding. I don't know. It's just routine. So if you do something every week for 10 years, yeah. just get into yeah. it. Yeah, just, and we enjoy it. Mm. Uh, James Botel, when did you realise the podcast could uh, make it or strive or well, he's got a few questions um, a lot of questions pretty early on actually eh? yeah because at that stage the podcasting wasn't a thing mm. like the one advantage we had is we got in so early like 10 years mm. ago nobody knew about podcasting mm. and half our job like even on our website we had to explain what podcasting was mm-hmm. and you know nowadays pretty much every dog and his bloody brother's got a podcast <laughs> but, a lot out there now but you know we were lucky we got in early and so we kind of any like anyone listening at the beginning was a success for us so yeah you know that, that kind of happened pretty quickly do we ever get nervous doing the podcast uh i think early on i did and certainly i don't know maybe get a little bit nervous initially with sometimes when interviewing interviewing some of the top pros face to face like in kona yeah but that wears off after about They're all people, a minute or, two, minute or two yeah. yeah so like it was pretty cool you know when i when I interviewed Magnus Backstead, who you, you probably don't know much about, but he's like a he, he was a guy in Kona who's a former top cyclist, you know, and he was yep. pretty pretty legendary. And then when this huge hulk of a man comes in, I've got to interview him, and I'm thinking, well, you're pretty cool. <laughs> um, that was uh, yeah. What's the biggest hurdle you've had to clear in making it to ten years? There hasn't really been any hurdles, isn't it? No, sometimes the consistency is, is a little bit of a challenge in terms of, you know, when I'm away on camps or when yeah. Devon's away, sometimes that's... And we that's, do go away a lot, so that probably is the biggest hurdle, isn't it? But mm. we make it work. Mm. Uh, Mark Dixon, wax or shave? What part? You didn't either. What part? Yeah. No, I don't either. I don't, I don't do either. I'm, I'm, you crack. What's that? You crack. What do you mean? Wax or shave? My crack? Yeah. I don't need to. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not hairy. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this, John. Where's the ears? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even here, this is my hairy chest. Look at this. I've got five years on my chest team. I don't need to do either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a waxer for sure. So you wax your legs? Yeah, absolutely. How often do you do that? Not that often. Yeah, like I, like I don't grow quite a bit, but probably every sort of seven weeks or something. Now like wait, do you do them yourself? No, no, no. So you go somewhere? Yeah, yeah. How much does that cost you? Uh, you were, <laughs> 50 bucks or something like that. Wow. But yeah, you, know, you think about the, okay, it cost me 50 bucks. Yeah, you know, time sh- I'm shaving. Yeah. That's a good investment in my <laughs> That's time. That's three weeks taken away yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, Dave Dowdy, um, what's your biggest triathlon-related mess-up? Mm. Triathlon-related mess-up? I'd say for me, I crashed my bike in a World Cup race. This was back when World Cup races are top-tier races in Auckland going in a straight line, and I took down one of my training mates. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, it was in Auckland and the bike ride used to go around the viaduct. The viaduct used to go uh, straight across and going along, it was pissing down with rain and it was pretty bumpy and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think I just, my hands just, I hit this massive bump and my hands just slipped and somehow I came off and took down my, my, my training mate. Did you finish the race? That one I did not. This was pretty bad. Yeah. Another one up there that I did, I had some extreme, funny experiences up there. Crashed in that one. Another one, this is how stupid we used to be. The day before, I didn't really have a pre-race meal, and so we went and got McDonald's the night before. Oh, and nice. I, I had two Big Macs or something like that. I was vomiting all the way through the night. Oh, really? Got up the next morning, and I tried to do the swim, and and I did the swim, and I was, I think I was last out of the water. Wow. Didn't, didn't last long. And then one other one was I finished last. I think it was last. It was either last or second to last or third to last. And... It, and uh, <coughs> Only like 25 people finished and it paid 25 deep and so I got prize money at a World oh, Cup really? race. It's like 250 bucks US or something. I was stoked. My, my, my stuff, I'm quite lucky because it's not, I don't really, there's no obvious ones that come across, but some of my thinking around my training was never the wisest things. Like doing hill repeats mm. in the dark without lights up Mount Pleasant Road. Mm. Now, so it's a pretty dark road and it's pretty, it's not the most smooth road either. It's actually, and I'm doing hill repeats up and down this road and God knows how I didn't crash or have an accident. Mm. And so mine was more my, probably my approach sometimes didn't yeah. take much thinking about risk into factor but at the same time I seem to always get away with it luckily so that's yeah. probably it for me uh, who else Jeff got Curry favourite athletes any sport and biggest douches my favourite athletes I'm going to go for douches quite a few of the Australian cricket team um, and uh, and, I'm not, and and and, and, and in triathlon I'm not going to name that who I think is a douche in, in triathlon go on, go on let it out who thinks a douche her favourite Athletes, triathletes. Mm. Okay, so my favourite athletes. My favourite athletes. Oh, I don't really have it. Right now I do like Kane Williamson mm. in, in cricket, I think he's... But I, you know, Brendan McCallum. Now, again, we're going back to cricket team. And But uh, Brendan McCallum, like, if, uh, it's going to be a bit New Zealand-centric, but if we look at New Zealand, you're going to say... All Blacks is the team we're going to talk about. And if you look at Richie McCaw as a person, you can't really fault the guy. No. As in his character traits, as in... He's a cap was our captain of the rugby team. A legendary, one of the greatest players of all time and the greatest captain of all time. You'd probably have to argue, wouldn't you? Mm. You know, with what he, or at least with what he achieved. Um, and so you kind of look at him and you've got to admire him. But I think when you look at... There's a guy called Brendan McCallum who is the captain of the New Zealand cricket team. Now, traditionally, New Zealand cricket team... We had one period in the 80s where we were really good, but basically we just had one great player mm. and he pulled us through. And they had a good team around him, but he was kind of fundamental to it. Or two, him and Crow. And then you had a guy called... Um, and then from there onwards, it's always... We've, we've, we've only won games because we're kind of... We're boring. And mm. McCallum came along and shifted our focus of our team to become an attacking team and was kind of unrelentless and sometimes a bit stupid for that reason. But at the same time, I just respected his... No, I'm out here to fight, and I'm going to fight in a way that I I, I want to fight. It'd be kind of like someone, a bit like Starkowitz, who just yeah. goes and swims and just bikes like mental. Yeah, thinking I don't care what happens. On the, like, I, I care on the what line. happens on the run, but I'm just I'm going for it, and that's just going to see what happens. Yeah, and and <laughs> so for me, McCullum, because I'm not someone who actually really admires athletes that much. I admire their performance, but mm. you know, um, yeah, you. Well, we just had Lydia Coe win another She's golf tournament, man. And for an 18-year-old, 
she just, I, I, I started to learn a couple of times, I hope she's having fun and I hope she's having a nice life. She's, so she's a, uh, the world number one golfer. She's 18. She's from New Zealand. She's one of second major. Second major. Just Did you see the, you see the shot? Yeah. She just, so yeah. if you didn't see this, which many of you wouldn't have, basically last hole of the tournament, to win the tournament basically, she's yeah. kind of got a birdie. Last hole, the, the caddy comes up to her and says, look, you need to land at one foot or within half a metre of the hole. They said one foot. One foot. Yeah. She goes, okay. <laughs> well, she what? But maybe 150 meters away from it, something like that. Yeah, over over some water, lands it one one foot away from the hole. Yeah, just exactly where he said. Like yeah. just in the highest pressure moment. And she's just she comes across really nicely in the media. Just seems like a really nice person. So I just hope. So I really admire her at the moment. Yeah, she's pretty impressive. Uh, Jombo, what else we got here? Column uh, covered blue. most of them, I think. Uh, what are some of the uh, who a few things that you'd like to do on the show if you okay what are some of the few things if we had lucrative sponsorship and for each of you what is your favourite and least favourite quality in each other if we had lucrative sponsorship um, just spending some more time for me doing preparation so when we when we do race analysis when we talk about results I've actually had time to go and watch the YouTube clip read the reports read the social media and actually give a bit slightly better commentary on how the race has unfolded would probably be one and um, and having regular interviews and we have quite a lot of interviews we don't have them every week um, it'd be nice to have an interview most weeks I think not, yeah. not top athletes all the time because I know there's other podcasts out there that just constantly go for top athletes and that's great for ratings and it gets you big audiences but I also really like getting coaches and stuff on as well and that's something I'd like to probably do a bit more of. I think we'd, uh, like let's say we could just we like this could provide our life. Let's say mm. that was the story. I think you could do lots of cool things like we could provide programs, we could provide, you know, there's so much thing we could put time and resource into um, that would actually add more value to your experience as a triathlete. Like mm. we are very much entertainment and maybe education in your world, but actually, how do we we, we create a community that actually is kind of provides resources that could actually have a real impact on how you train? That be something mm. cool. Like if we just didn't have to do another job and we could spend like twenty thirty hours a week just knocking that out, there'd be some pretty powerful stuff there. Qualities that we enjoy in each other, John. I'll go you first. Um, <clears throat> there's a few things about John that are really cool. Um, hey, <laughs> he's a bloody good. Family man, I, I really admire that about him. He, his kids are so important to him, and in a sport which is a very selfish sport. And John, you know, has that aspect of himself with you know mm. that need to do a sport that you know has the exercise. He, he never compromises kids for that, mm. which I think's a very admirable. Blinder might debate that. <laughs> no, but you don't. You know, like I'm sure at times there is that balance that goes out of place, but you're very aware of it, mm. and you do try to make up on the other side, which is really important. That's I, I actually, and you know, you're a good dad. I, I really admire that about you. Um, also, the fact that he's chosen a life which, you know, triathlon coaching isn't necessarily an easy life. Mm. Um, it's you know, you're not going to make your millions being a triathlon coach, um, but it's a lifestyle choice. And mm. you know, like John could have gone on to other worlds and been successful in other worlds as well. But this is the fact that he's chosen a life that's a passion life, and it's actually a really admirable thing because I think a lot of people desire a passion life, and and passion lives can because I live a passion life as well. I feel very fortunate for it. But there are a lot of stresses that come with a passion life as well, and uh, I always admire that about John. Great. And uh, he's very well organised. Thank you. Yeah. So Bevan, you're great too. Thank no, you. no, Bevan. I mean, this show it would be a lot more monotoned, and and, <laughs> and 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 I wouldn't get lifted. So Bevan brings brings the energy, and people who have experienced what he does um, at the gym or elsewhere realise when you have people like Bevan, they lift everybody else, and so it helps me to get more excited about the show. Um, is when he brings that energy to the show and also I would never be able to do what Bevan does with the, the running group that you've got you've built it up 
and I struggle to relate to people that have got no exercise background the way in the same way that you're able to do that. I, I get where they come from, but I think the way that Bevan can relate to people who can't even walk down the road uh, is not something a I'd want to do, and not something that I'd want to have the skills to do. But the contribution you're making to get people active is awesome. Man, let's just have a hug. Love, yeah, a lot of love going on. I'm not used to giving each other love. Okay, Richard Swan, John, what would be the race that you have most talked have talked up the most in the anticipation? So I'm not sure if he's meaning about for me personally, but I think that's where you're getting at in terms of uh, where I thought I was going to have a big game and I didn't, or whether there's another race that I've talked up just yep. as an observer. But obviously Kona was pretty bloody disappointing. I thought I was going to do pretty well because um, I had had some really good races in the, in the lead up to that. So that's one where I did talk a big game and didn't deliver. But I will rectify that at some stage later in life. What's our worst interview? Because Andrew yeah. uh, Vickery's got here his best and worst. We've kind of done our best. So what would you say your, your best, your worst interview and most awkward on-air moment? I'd say the, the, without a shadow of a doubt, the most awkward on air moment is when you did the the dick the dick dick, dick, oh, dick How's uh, your wife and you must be so? What do you say? Your wife and you must be so proud. Oh, we're actually, no, your wife yeah. must be so proud of you. And he goes, yeah. "Oh, we're divorced." Yeah, <laughs> okay, well, it's a bit awkward. Yeah. How was I to know? But no, no, you know, absolutely. How was I to know? But you did put your foot in that one. There. I think my worst interview, worst interview was our first Mark Allen one because it was just we got nothing out of him. It was just like we got on. And our second interview of the, on Legends is great. Like mm. he, the second time was like, oh my God, this is what we wanted the first time. But our first time we got him, we just got the speech that he does for corporates. And he'd just, he'd just come out with a book as well, I think as well. Yeah, and it was just like, literally, like sometimes when you interview people who do a lot of talking as in public speaking or, or interviews, you just kind of get the same shit every time. And when we got Mark Allen the first time, I was really excited to get him on. And you and I had this list of questions because we didn't want to have the same yeah. thing that had always been said. And we just, he was just determined to say the same kind of, and I was just like, oh, that was such a wasted opportunity. But then when we got him on Legends, it was an amazing interview because we yes. didn't get that side. We actually got the other side. So I would say for me, that was, and, and to be honest, the, the, an awkward moment which you guys didn't hear was when we had um, Lessing on the first time. And Lessing's a real dry humor kind of character. Yeah. And he comes on and, we, and he, gave, he just did this real dry joke. And it was a bit sarcastic, and it was a bit, and it really, and we didn't know we didn't know how to take him because yeah. this time, I mean, listen for God's sake. So, and if you'd heard that, that was very awkward because we, and then he kind of let us know, oh, mate, guys, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah. So that was kind of a funny moment. I'm just scanning through here trying to see if there's any other awkward ones. And I remember the Scott Tinley one on Legends was a bit disappointing because the sound quality yeah, was crap. It was bummer. Um, oh, I can't think of anything else that was uh, particularly awkward. I'm just scanning through. No, they've all been gold. Okay, two more questions, John. Bo. First one is, um, if you would own triathlon, uh, what would be the top three things you'd try to do in the next three, five years? I guess the question... Or Ironman, at least. That's a question whether you're trying to grow the sport or whether you're trying to... Do what's, what you feel is do, good do, for the sport. And well, I suppose the it's both, isn't it? I'd just love to see the pros earning more. I'd love to see some innovation, have some innovative races on the ITU, on the, on the world champion, not the world championship, I'm, I'm ITU mode today, oh, on yeah. the WTC circuit. Obviously, leave Kona as it is, don't mess with that, but I'd love to see a, a multi-lap race, at least give it a try, somewhere, maybe downtown somewhere and get some proper bloody Tour de France type crowds, 20k lap or 15k laps for the pros and get them all kitted out, like bloody maybe like... Uh, they used to do in the Uncle Toby series in Australia and actually have a really consistent, well-paid pro series. Don't think it's ever going to happen, but um, have some, some just some different racing. 
you reckon if we had a handicap race based on Kona times, that would be interesting? Because Kona, we know everyone's laying it out. Mm. You know, so then if you had like a, you know, two months later, you had a handicap race or three months later. Don't know. Yeah, maybe. Pretty interesting. I think it? we just need to get something where spectators can get a bit more engaged. Isn't it's it? a problem with our sport, but isn't it? It's too long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like how do you do that? Yeah. Because it's a day. Mm. You know? And there's moments of the day we can get them engaged, but to get them engaged all day, it's a different to a two hour race. Exactly. Um, actually, that's pretty much it, John, but I can't see yeah. any other questions. That's all good. Thank you for oh, those questions. Steve Chamberlain and Ward's got, did you even figure out where Forster was? No, somewhere in Australia. It's Africa, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's that second nine man that's Africa that we don't talk about <laughs> very right. much. Okay, John, this week's discussion. That took up some time, didn't it? Look at that. We're nearly an hour. Yep. Ross Little, who is actually getting a a nickname at the end of the show because he's become a patron. Well. Yep. What has been the biggest shock, in your opinion, in the last 10 years? Could be from Chrissy coming into the scene, from dominating everything and setting a new height for women's try, to seeing ITU stars finally start to win big Ironmans. The tech advances or was it something else? For you guys, over the last 10 years that we've been doing the show, what have been the biggest shocks? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. What well on, Ross? Okay, we'll get into that. My, one, my, one that I'm going to put on here that actually just falls outside the 10 years because we started in 2006 and I did Ironman Hawaii in 2005 and that was the year Nina Kraft got busted for drugs and she was a... She won, she, too, didn't she? she won Ironman in 2005 and then got busted for, for EPO. So that was a pretty big shock. That was a massive shock. Mm. That really was. Um, so winner, that's the only time we've had a winner busted, isn't it? I think it's the only time we've ever had anybody... At Kona, busted, but I think. Was it Virginia? Parissa Tagi. But that was, after, that was so yeah, long that later, wasn't, wasn't it? That wasn't. Because she, she got a top five, didn't she? She got on the podium. Yeah. But it, her test was not, I don't think it was a result from Kona, it was from elsewhere. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, job we're going to interview. We have. So Rob will be from team.oxygenaddict.com. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about bike training and uh, power and FTP stuff. Okay, here we go. Here is Rob. Okay, guys, so um, you know, most, well, not most, a lot of you guys are going to be training for Ironmans. Um, we've got the season sort of coming up for you Northern Hemisphere athletes, Southern Hemisphere athletes. You guys will be starting to chill out a bit unless you're doing Port Macquarie or, um, or building up to Ken's for some of you Aussies. Um, what we often see with newer athletes who are still trying to figure out the, the path to Ironman is, is sometimes they don't quite get the, the bike intensity right um, in terms of training for Ironman. There's sort of always this conundrum of, you know, what should I be doing? Should I be doing intervals? Should I be going crazy long and riding as many uh, as many kilometres as I like? So lots of different coaches have got different opinions on this and, and what is best and what you should be doing, you know, train long, train fast, do whatever. Um, so today we've got Rob Wilby from team.oxygenaddict.com um, to sort of give us his opinion on how he sort of builds athletes up towards Ironman. So welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks, John. It's great to be with you, mate. Um, so what do you what do you sort of think in terms of an intensity and, um, you know, going long and, and in terms of, you know, training at Ironman pace and stuff like that? What's your sort of general guidelines that we, as a bit of a starting point? Well, I think the big challenge that most age groupers face is they just don't have enough time as well. They don't have as much time as they would like to do all the training that they want to do. So it becomes a game of trying to be smarter and using the available training time that they've got as as well as possible, really. So obviously, in an ideal world, we'd be going out, we'd be doing lots of miles at our Ironman intensity. But in the real world, we'd probably end up with 
two bike sessions during the week where we can fit an hour in and maybe we've got some longer time at the weekends and and as we get close to our Ironman we're going to carve out some more time to make that longer ride longer but we don't all necessarily have the opportunity to do a lot more training on the bike during the week so it's a question really of trying to find that balance between giving the athlete as much bang for the buck as you can get while not kind of killing them around the work life and home life as well. So in, in terms of bike intensity, um, yeah, what, what are, obviously we've got heart rate monitors and power meters, but what, how do you sort of best measure bike intensity for, for some of the athletes that are listening that are still pretty new to this? Yeah, well, we want to be in an ideal world. Everyone's going to have a power meter, but we recognise that that isn't going to be the case, is it? Because they're the, especially new athletes. Yeah, exactly. So really, I think that the key to break this down is to keep it as simple as possible and to say your Ironman bike leg is going to be raced at that kind of zone two aerobic conversational type pace. Um, And in training, we want to be trying to look at getting you to get as much as we can out of the other training sessions in the week. And so what I do with my athletes is I tend to give them one or maybe two with the stronger athletes, kind of harder, intense interval sessions during which they're going to be working, you know, pretty bloody hard. And then at the weekends, they're going to go out and do that conversational pace ride. But I mean, the caveat here is that that long pay, that long ride isn't actually going to be easy because the distance of it is the challenging part rather than the intensity. So it's kind of training shorter and harder during the weeks and then getting those longer sessions in at the weekend that are a little bit more relaxed in terms of intensity. But it's the distance there that's the challenging part for them. Now, in terms of um, you know, the athletes with power meters, obviously we've got uh, an FTP test, and sometimes people are um, a bit confused as to how they should do this. Um, so I thought it'd be really good to discuss, um, you know, FTP testing protocols. But for the people without power meters, you know, you guys can can also do testing, and whether you use heart rate monitors or or, you know, the thing with with testing is it's it's not just about getting the numbers, it's actually about training your brain to be able to handle very intense bouts of exercise. So I'm actually going through a series at the moment, so I'm doing, uh, for the next three weeks, I did my first one last week, I did a 20-minute FTP test uh, on the, the trainer, and for the next three weeks I'm doing that. Now I don't expect to go out there and do a personal best every single time, but for me it's about really trying to get my head and my body into into race game and actually go out there and really drill myself for, for 20 minutes but um if it, for the guys that are using the the um doing this to, to actually set these zones what are, what are the sort of protocols that you use as you've said mate i keep it really simple i use that 20 minute test and it's basically go as hard as you possibly can a sustainable pace for 20 minutes and at the end of that if you're using a power meter well the sums are really easy you take 0.95 of that number that you've come up with so you know if you've done say 200 watts we multiply that by 0.95 and we come up with 180 watts and that's your functional threshold power if you haven't got a power meter it's not the end of the world i get them to do exactly the same test go as hard as you can for 20 minutes with your heart rate monitor on and at the end of that you've just got to stick the graph uh, or stick the upload into training peaks or something like that have a look at the graph that's come out and then for most people they'll see that the first two or maybe three minutes the heart rate is rising quite steeply and after that the next 17 minutes it doesn't level off because it's going to continue to rise gradually but if they just take the average of that last 17 minutes that's pretty much a, a good number to go for for their functional threshold heart rate and then from there I'm 
going to be honest with you, I don't remember all the percentages these days mm. because the software does it for me. Mm. So, uh, so with heart rate, I just stick that number into training peaks and it comes up with uh, four or five heart rate zones to train around. And that does all the maths and saves, saves all the thinking for deciding which carbon wheels we're going to buy, right? <laughs> I suppose the question I have is, you know, because FTP testing for people who are experienced, they kind of know how to play that game well. Um, and it's something that takes a bit of skill to get right. And I imagine a lot of people, when they first start doing it, probably just go way too hard. And so the result at the end of it isn't that good because there's no consistency with that heart rate or power in the ride. And so so for the newer people who are listening to this who are thinking about getting into this, what would be some tips to make sure? And there's also the other side where maybe they don't go hard enough so it's not a real quality result. So what would be some tips in making sure they manage that ride well? Yeah, I think we do see that a lot, especially with new athletes who aren't particularly experienced at doing it. So what I say is don't worry too much if the result doesn't come out good the first time. Just let's look at the results of what's coming out of those sessions you do over the next two or three or four weeks. And athletes are going to, you know, as John said before, you're going to get a feel for it more than anything. And it's more about training your brain than it is about getting the test right. So over a series of three or four weeks, if they've done the first test and they've totally blown themselves to pieces, well, an experienced coach can look at that test result and go you know your number's probably going to be about here so let's train about this number and let's see how you feel over the next three or four weeks and then test again four weeks later if they've if they think they've blown it like that Mm. i think the way to go about it is to to generally say look you've got to go as hard as you can but the caveat is it's as hard as you can for 20 minutes Mm. which isn't going to feel as hard as you can in the first minute so i tend to say to my athletes look let's build this in thirds the first third you should be riding sort of comfortably hard the second third should be getting really difficult and by the end of that second third you should be thinking oh man i'm not going to make this and if you pace this right, you're really just going to be hanging on for those last sort of seven minutes or so. That's usually the, I tend to think if you get to the 16 minute point and you think you need to stop any second, you've probably paced it about right because it's, it's pretty unpleasant. And I think it's, it's a very, very good point is, you know, if you're a, an athlete who's come from a swimming background or, or a single discipline sport background who's, who's well trained, you'll know how to push yourself to the limit. But those new athletes, they just, it's, yeah, they just it's, don't know how to do it. Skill set, isn't it? And yeah. um, one thing that I get athletes to quite often do, if it's their sort of first crack at one of these things, is on uh, Trainer Road, for example, they have an eight-minute time trial, and so it might be the weekend before I get them to do an eight-minute time trial. The one on Trainer Road is actually two eight-minute ones, so I say use the first eight minutes as a bit of a, a warm-up, get into it. The second one, and then you'll be able to take uh, the second one. You go for it, and then you take that, and you'll be from from that you can sort of that can help to to guide your pacing effort for that second twenty minutes. But what I generally say with with new athletes who who perhaps if you're not feeling like pretty much vomiting and falling off your bike at the end of doing this time trial, <laughs> you basically haven't haven't gone hard enough. And in, in general, I'd round round your result number up a little bit. Uh, and then the other thing you need to remember is then g- getting some race data. So the, the, getting an FTP test is a starting point. Then what you want to do is when you go out and do a race, um, then you take that um, heart rate data or your power numbers from that and you actually match up what you've been able to do in the race versus what you've been able to do with training. And often, especially for newer athletes, their race result is going to be significantly higher than what they're able to do in training. Uh, And then you've just got to adjust things. So it takes a while to get this stuff, but the FTP test is is a great place to start. So It's um, kind of as Rob was saying, eh, Rob, it's that kind of thing of you want to be able to spew, but for a 20-minute ride, not, not yes. for a two-minute ride. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's easier to do it in the summertime, isn't it? When you can go out and you can actually ride a time trial or people are doing duathlons or shorter triathlons. You can take the data from those rides that they've done there and they'll probably get a better result from those ones than they will from doing it on their own in the trainer in the garage. But as long as we can get them there or thereabouts and they've got some numbers that are pretty accurate to work off, we can be sure. I'm all about making sure people have got something that's quantifiable they can look at and they're confident that the, the result it gives them puts them in a training zone. It's actually going to make them improve if they train at the correct intensities relative to that number. Mm. And um, you've got some key sessions to, to on, on how people can sort of improve their FTP power because people always love to, to get some nice workouts to go out there and hammer with. Yeah, we're going to love these, don't we? So what I like to do with my athletes is we say, okay, you've probably got an hour to do your training in. So with a warm-up and a cool-down, we're going to get 30 or maybe 40 minutes worth of hard work done during this session. So let's start by looking at, at the sort of intensity we need to go at. We're going to be looking at between 5 minutes and 15 minutes worth of efforts in the intervals spaced out with one minute of recovery for every five minutes of effort. So a classic first session to start with is six times five minutes with a minute really easy spinning. So each time you're hitting your FTP number, then you get a minute in the small ring spinning along and just recovering. And it's it's going to be all right for the first couple of reps. And then it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And from there, I'll expand them. So they're doing maybe four times eight or three times 10, maybe two times 15 for the more, more sort of experienced athletes. But by building that amount of time they're spending at threshold up, they're not necessarily spending more than 30 minutes at threshold within that training session, but they're spending more time without a rest at threshold. And that kind of is is the classic sort of six or eight week first threshold build. And we'll usually see about an eight to 10 percent increase with new athletes just over that first eight week block by doing that once a week and some other bits and bobs. So that's a real good way for guys who are. You know, they might be 20 weeks out from the first Ironman. If they do one of those sessions once a week rather than just going out and riding with the mates, they're going to be riding with nearly 10% more power come 12 weeks out from race day. Mm. And that means all their long rides that they're going to go on to do are going to be done at the same intensity, but they're going to be going a bit faster for that same intensity, meaning they're going to cover that race distance in a shorter time overall. I think it's a really good point you make about when athletes first get a power meter, um, they realise that the first few reps of a set of intervals, if you're doing them at FTP, actually don't feel crazy hard um, because in the past, you know, you say to someone, right, go and do six by five minutes hard uh, and they're puffing and panting and heaving on their first rep uh, and if they actually had a power meter, yeah. if they actually had a power meter, they'd see that they've got a slow down, slow yeah, down yeah. significantly. <laughs> so for guys that don't have power meters, you know, remember when we're talking FTP and doing hard intervals, that's basically your estimated one hour effort. So if you're doing a five minute rep, uh, the first couple of reps, yes, they're still firm, a good firm effort, but they're not actually that crazy hard unless you're having a really terrible day. So, how do you, uh, how do you find Rob? How do you find people actually manage that? Well, what I was going to say there, Bevan, actually, is a really good point. If you're not training with a power meter and you've only got a heart rate monitor, on what I've seen over the years is if we look at that 30 minute hard work block of work the heart rate isn't going to get to threshold probably in the first interval it might just get there during the second five minute interval and it'll get there after a couple of minutes of the third interval and then for intervals four five and six it's going to get to threshold pretty much straight away but if an athlete on that first interval tries to go as hard as 
it will get their heart rate to threshold straight away. They're probably going to be going too hard just using just using heart rate as mm. a as a metric. So it's worth remembering that even if you are training with heart rate data, you've got to back yourself off a little bit anyway because we're not expecting you to reach that number within the first 10 minutes of intervals basically mm, nice so remember last time we spoke to you rob um you had at team.oxygenaddict.com you were doing a bit of a webinar so what else is going to be happening uh, what's coming up yeah well we're doing another one man we had a we had a really good time as, except for messing up the the technical bits a little bit and having our <laughs> ugly faces on screen for a bit longer than we wanted to the first time so we're going to do another webinar the uh the date is going to be Tuesday. oh man i had this written down and i can't find the damn thing now <laughs> tuesday the 19th of april there we go <laughs> smooth, nice. eh? as nice. bevan would say smooth smooth <laughs> as. tuesday the 19th of april at 8 p.m we're going to be doing one called improving your bike power so we're going to basically expand on what we've been talking about with you guys here and go through how we run our bike training protocol within team oxygen addict so if people want to sign up they can go over to team.oxygenaddict.com forward slash power webinar it's all one word pop their email address in and even if they can't make the webinar at the time then we'll email them a link to watch the webinar afterwards man awesome. which is really important stuff eh? like if you are you know because a lot of people have the gear and don't even know how to use it and that's probably the worst mm. situation is that people invest a lot of money in these tools and they don't do the work to actually get the value out of the tool. And so, like, obviously, your guys, women, are be a really good tool to help you kind of get the most out of what you're using in your bike gear. Well, last week we talked about Ironman South Africa when I did my yeah. first race. And I, I think I got a power meter. I can't remember when I got a first power meter, but maybe it was about 205 or 206 or something like no, that. No, it was before that because when I was – oh, yeah, it was about then, yeah. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> Absolutely knew nothing. And it was a complete waste of money. Well, they um, didn't have the. They also didn't have the software back in those days. Did no. they? So like nowadays, it's, it's actually quite easy for us plebs to kind of pick it up and yeah. kind of understand what we're doing. But it's still a big old. Uh, yeah. For some people, it's still pretty pretty intimidating. So awesome, Rob. Thanks so much for your time. And guys, go check it out team.oxygenaddict.com and uh, they've got check plenty out those of plenty of options there. And if you want some coaching guys, check them out because they're a great coaching team as well. Thanks very much, guys. Awesome work, mate. Love your work. Okay, Jumbo. Um, do you want to sponsor? We'll do sponsor, eh? Yep. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Okay. I'm in South Africa. It's coming up this weekend. Yeah. And sometimes you can waste a bit of time on the internet. And I did that last night when I was thinking, what are we going to talk about with Athlinks this week? I went on to Ironman South Africa and I scrolled down, see that Sam Guide has uh, finished 21st place last year. He's one of the best age group athletes yeah. in the world. Yeah. Won Kona several is he times. Is he pro now? He is not, I don't think. Okay. Greg Close was an athlete's finish there in 25th. Kept on scrolling down. I'm sure a name that I came across was in 74th place, Roger Canham. He won the 50 to 54 age group last nice year. Nice work. In, uh, what's the time? 10 hours and 5 minutes and 31. And I'm pretty sure Roger listens to the show. The name rings a bell. So what you can do, then you can just go, well, he's 50. I want to see how he's been going over the years. Click on his name, away you go. And uh, he's got 70 races up there. He's been going to Kona for a long time. And as a 50-year-old, he's slowly starting to slow down a bit. But you can see his progression. He's had a 9.33 at Ironman Arizona all the way back in 2009. He actually came out to New Zealand in 2008 and raced Ironman New Zealand, finished in 9.49.10. Nice. Um, so you can really just go through and see 
how athletes have progressed over the years. He's raced all over the place, started with the ING New York Marathon back in 2000 and ran a 3.54. Nice, finishing a four. In 1,392nd place, and then he's gone on to being... Which is actually pretty impressive, isn't it? Because you think they get 50,000 people. Mm. So that, that four hour to five and a half hour mark at that race... Oh. Must be ridiculous. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you got 50,000. He did what? Sub four, just under yep. sub four, and 1,300th. Yeah. Was that age group or overall? 8,500th overall. That was age group. So you still got 40,000 people to come out. Mm. So that, that four hour, five hour mark <laughs> must be ridiculous. You just mustn't be able to run. It must be crazy, eh? Just shuffling along, yeah. trying not to trip over people. But what I'm really getting at is you can go back and see people's progression. So he's started, you know, um, 16 years ago from a pretty average sort of place to be going on to being top 10 in Kona and then uh, winning his age group at different races around the world so it's pretty impressive so you can go and see how people progress check it out all on athlinks.com and make sure you add your results up there you guys that did the sea to sky challenge at the weekend the result the race is up there I've sent the the, the link in last night um, but you can add in your unofficial result anytime you want and they'll get it updated in the next week or two so one thing you could also do is email the race director and let them know about Athlinks and say hey look this mm. is pro- this is a resource which is really good chuck it on there and that way you know it's, if they get into that habit it helps you as well so exactly. athlinks.com guys check check it out if you aren't on there get on it Okay, my first try. We're not going to name names on this one, John, because it's... Uh, Despite name. somebody sending this in with their name on it, happy to share it. I'm suggesting once he thinks about this twice, he's probably going to go, mm, glad those guys didn't mention yeah. my name. Particularly it wasn't my first try, but it was my first try was back after 14 years break in the sport, and herein lies the problem. My pre-race bowel movement routine, which is now a finely honed... Uh, was well out of practice and left a chance. I was doing a sprint race in a part of the long-running Sydney Triathlon Series and my now well-practiced and reliable routine with a strong coffee with breakfast followed by two good number two clean-outs. <laughs> nice, before leaving home. Porno has a, a three-poo strategy. Yeah. yeah. I usually go about four or five for a big race. Oh, you guys have got problems. Here. Yeah. How much food you got in your stomach? No, it just keeps coming out. you got to clear the system out. Uh, before leaving home, backed up by a quick session in the portaloo at the race. So he goes for three-poo strategy actually as well. Has never failed and always lets me race with no surprise. On this day, the portaloo line was long and I was caught in a moment of indecision and decided to take the chance that I could get by without a visit. Bad move. I headed down into the deep water start and after treading water for a, a while, a small urge to do a number two got bigger until I that, knew that racing in the state was not going to, was going to be a potential disaster. Bear in a cave situation, if you know what I mean. Thankfully, it was a non-wetsuit swim that is very important to the story because it could have been interesting otherwise. As Sydney was having a heat wave, so I swam at the back of the... 100 plus starters in my wave, dropped my tri shorts down and let a very satisfying aqua poo go. As soon as it was out, I instantly felt better and knew that I had made the right decision. As I watched the poo bobble away, thankfully the current was taken away from the start line and no one got caught up in my little situation. I've raced there about eight times since and it's the only time it's ever been a deep water start with a non-wetsuit. The gods was on his side. Uh, it was a close call and a reminder to stick to your pre-race bell motion plan. That's disgusting. <laughs> Imagine if someone's swimming along. Yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself, oh, person. You should. Person. <laughs> person. I tell yeah. you, I, my race at the weekend went really, really well. People were loving it. One issue we had, the bike transport was a little bit slower than anticipated for one group. 
Second issue, ran out of toilet paper. I had to send somebody on an emergency mission oh, to go no. down and get it. What does a portaloo cost you? Well, we that down there. The, people can't, can't complain when there's toilets. It was like about eight, seven or eight toilets there, and there's a bit of a queue. Yeah. You, if you, without a queue, you're going to have to have millions. Well, I was in Monica for a race this weekend. They had five portaloos for 300 or 400 people. Yeah, so there's about six or seven there. Um, portaloos aren't that expensive. Aren't they? No. But we did run out of toilet paper. and But I did send someone on SOS, and we did get it sorted out within sort of 10, 15 Who minutes. was waiting in the toilet? Like no, someone no, waiting, no, especially because no. Portaloos aren't the nicest place to be hanging out. No. Mm, what do you do in that situation? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move away from this. Questions and answers. You want to do this? Yeah. Which I'll quickly uh, paraphrase this one. Michael Turner was telling us um, last week we were giving people a hard time about not doing the the triple A race uh, in Australia, which was their sort of point to point. We got told to grow some balls. Yep. Try to grow some balls. Um, apparently, you know, the, uh, he was saying he went and did it. Um, uh, right. It helps me hold on a second um, he said just the timing wise it was a little bit tricky some, for some yeah, so people he's basically, saying, he's basically saying look as much as not many people turned up it's actually quite a difficult race to do you've got to have a support crew um, timing wise entry's quite expensive uh, you do have to have I think two people to actually come along and be support crew mm. um, it's, it's historically horrific weather uh, which is part of the challenge, but you know, so there's kind of he was going, you know, he did the race and he did really enjoy it, and he's going to go back. And he, I think he got fourth overall. He, he said, after group. ten iron distance races, I wanted something new. I loved it. It's exactly what I got into the sport for, and stoked with a fourth place overall and won my age group by half an hour. Um, close to race, close to racing was second, third, and fourth. I will likely be back, but just as likely to do something new. Thanks, Michael. So yeah. I think it's one of those races that just takes a bit more planning to get sort of for. Maybe if people had had more advance warning, they might get on it. Make sure you check it out. The, the point to point race I think Australia. you look at this race as more of like an adventure race don't you mm. you know like if you look at adventure racing you need a support crew you need you know there's a lot more involved in the experience and uh, whereas in triathlon it's very much a solo experience yep. you're like whereas we look at the you're, we often talk about the coast to coast on the show and the coast to coast is similar to an Ironman but actually you do have support crew and they're going to be there in transitions and they're going to get your bike ready and so on and, mm. and I think that's probably this race you could look at it more as a multi-sport kind of feel to the race I was thinking about the coast to coast the other day because it's a race that I'd, I really want to do at some stage but it is a logistical nightmare yeah. and Can you um, kayak? No, I can't kite yet, so I'd have to learn that skill. I don't think I'd ever go and – if I go and do it, I'll race it as hard as I possibly yeah, can. I don't think I'll be very much. good. Well, the kite um, will kill you. Yeah, but I was thinking, when am I going to actually get off my ass and do that race? And I was thinking, once the kids are old enough to be my support crew, um, they'll oh, probably nice. do it Yeah, maybe in about – I don't know. They need to probably be about 12, 13, I think, to be able to yeah. be of any of any use. So I figured that's when I'll try how to do it. Really, how much time do you think you'd have to spend in kayaking? Oh, you can do it in a season. Easy. Oh, really? Like the Holy Hammer did it. Um, he got back from Hawaii yeah, in October yeah, and yeah. then uh, just spent that summer doing it. Again. Just I'll, to I'll finish. Be, yeah. 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 It's a bit cool event. Okay, Jonbo, that's pretty much questions and not, answers. Not quite as cool as the Cedar Sky uh, oh, challenge. There's only one event in the world's calendar yeah. now, John. You yeah. know, next year I imagine we're going to a million people turn up. And you could use the House of Travel Triathlon Festival to, to kick your season when off. When are you going to do that this year? End of November. Oh, so it's going back to the old time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and then you'll uh, lead your season into your season. Mate, John, John Newsom, race director. Mm. You should do a high five on that. I should. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've cut out high five today. I'll bring we'll it in next week. John, we're we'll going along. John's got study to get to, haven't you? What time does your study start? We've got a few things to discuss afterwards. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff's getting serious. Now, I'm just thinking Saturday night. I'm the games coordinator or yes. entertainment. Have we got our own space? Yes, we have. So we're going to be at a, the restaurant called Formaggio's down the road, which is, is convenient. Is it Philadelphia's? No, it used to be that. It's changed names. Oh, is it? And they have a room out the back. There's a pool table there as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've got the price. So I can, because I'm thinking of doing a quiz. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Team's quiz. Yep. 
Okay, good. Uh, do we know how many people we've got? Uh, for the dinner, I'm not sure, but about? About, about 35. Okay. There's about 35 people who are doing some part of the weekend. I can't remember if they're all coming to the camp. Okay. To the dinner. Okay. Uh, if anybody wants me on their team, my areas of expertise are triathlons. <laughs> doing no triathlon questions. <laughs> sports, I'm reasonably good at, really pretty good at sports. Most people there are probably pretty good at sports as well. Geography is my key though. Oh, really? Yeah. You're good at geography? I am shocking at geography, John. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you. You go, where you've been in the world? A, I can't name half the places. And B, if you say, where on the map are they? And Joe, tell you what, if Joe's coming to tonight, you get her on your geography team. She I, loves that crap. I was top of Christchurch Boys High School, sixth form geography, top yeah. of the clips, top of the school. My Why geography? Book. Don't know. Do you ever think about making a career in geography? Like, no. You know, no. It's just, huh? no. It's good at geography. Did you continue on it when you... Flags, countries, capitals, I'm reason, reason. Well, we know about flags. Things. Yeah. <laughs> we know, we about, know about flags. flags. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, so I said that I'm trying, I'm, trying, I'm planning that now. It is going to be some kind of quiz. Mm. Um, it'll be good fun. Uh, Jombo patrons. Yes. You have got, got approximately... Four days we'll give it. We'll say Friday. No, we'll say Thursday is cut-off day. If you want to be a patron, it's got to be Thursday, New Zealand oh, time. We'll do, we'll do draw Saturday night? We'll do the draw Saturday night. I've got to figure out how to do that. If you go come in, so we've got different levels of patrons. You've got five bucks a month um, to become just a, a patron and you get your name mentioned on the show. You get one ticket into the draw. Ten, ten bucks. If you come in at ten bucks, then you get an, a wicked I Am Talk swim cap and they're the proper good yeah, silicon heavy duty cool. swim caps they're cool um and then if you come in at that you get a swim cap plus a name and you get two tickets into the drawer 20 if you come in at 20 bucks a month then you get an i am talk icebreaker beanie nice. plus a plus a um plus a swim cap plus you get three tickets into the drawer and then if you want to go above that we love you and you get an extra ticket in the drawer as well you are a legend if you go above that we really love you mm. <laughs> and like we'll do a whole segment on the show like john and i just rubbing exactly. each other's back yeah. <laughs> um okay so some patrons who have become part of the patronage this week william hunter and mr good mr. Why, oh good we're hunting yes it's a great film isn't it ross little yeah uh, is, give a little is that a new zealand thing or is that a worldwide thing I think I think give a little is a New Zealand thing. So give a little is is like a donation page. I mean, every country has them. Yeah, so it's a donation page. But Ross Little, he doesn't give a little. He gives a lot. Oh, gives a lot little. So give give a lot little, (laughs) Uh, little. or just or gal for short. I don't think gal is going to go down well. (laughs) Give a lot. Give a lot. Ross Little will say that because you can't say give a lot little. Yeah. Although I do kind of like it, it kind of comes off the tongue quite well. Because Ross is, he's seriously gone back and listened to every episode from the very much the beginning. And each week for the last kind of first part of this year. Because what happened was, he emailed me a while ago and he said, look, this episode here, this is a real funny bit. And I said, he goes, I've gone back and listened to this. I said, mate, if you could do me a favour, <laughs> while you're listening, can you keep a note of when there's some cool bits in the shows? Because yeah. in my mind, it's always been an intention that when we have a funny bit, I should document it but I never mm. do and and he's done it and so again in two weeks from now when I'm in Auckland I'm gonna I'm gonna get that show so there'll be a show we'll just do all the kind of bits that Ross has identified over the years and uh and that takes a lot of time oh yeah you know like to do that hey you gotta listen to every show he said it's been really interesting listening because he's actually listened from the start I think anyway so it's his second time listening yeah which is pretty amazing commitment so well done Ross you're he You're gives a, a lot. He gives a lot. Now you might. This one might be a bit inappropriate. So tell me if it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. So Vince, Vincent uh, Francois. Yeah. He's a Frenchie. Yeah. Uh, he, he was giving us a bit of a hard time about the rugby, saying they think the Frenchies got robbed. Um, the rugby. Yeah. I when was this? I don't know. When did they get robbed? We hammered, hammered them at the, the last World Cup. They, they did beat us previously, but but uh, no, it was the. We, 
two World Cups ago when it was in New Zealand and the final was really close and tense uh, and we only just hung on. So he was giving me a bit of a I hard time. Robbed, but. No. But um, so the Frenchies, what, what's the, 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 nation, the national symbol of the French rugby team? The cock. The cock. Yeah. Well. And so I've gone with uh, Vincent, the member. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. The member. If you're not happy with that, Vincent, just, just let me know and I will come up with another one. But the member. Well, we've never really had other people. We've had some bad nicknames over the years. <laughs> okay. They have to put up with it. Christopher Ranchi. Is that his name? Oh, we have to go with that. Christopher Ranchi. I've got Raging Ranchi. Raging Ranchi. Raging Ranchi. Yeah, nice. Christopher, he's a bit like you. A bit like the Incredible Hulk. Push him the wrong way. The Raging Ranchi comes out. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is an old one, isn't it? And yep, Lee Spore, Twenty Eyes. So guys, get on it, support the show, keep us doing what we're doing. As we said earlier, we're not making millions out of this show by any stretch of the imagination. Nice, wouldn't keep, it? Who imagine, keeps if millions. Millions. imagine, imagine if this is all we did. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? I'd like to have a few other things in life, but no, I do, I do enjoy two hours a week of this. Yeah. <laughs> just relax, go to the beach. I have to say. This has probably been one frustration over the years is it's how podcasting hasn't had the ability to bring big sponsors in. Mm. Because we add well, you, you name your triathlon value, magazines, yep. we add so much more value mm. than what a triathlon mag- magazine does. And what they charge for advertising is ridiculous. Yeah. And there's no way we have the ability to charge it. And I'm not quite sure why, but and early on we thought, well, one day triathlon will, um, podcasting will make that crossover. And unfortunately it really hasn't. And, and it's, you know, we've got great sponsors, don't get us wrong, but you're not pulling off those big sponsors that, you know, Triathlon Magazines get. Maybe it's because we don't have a sales team and the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. But all our all our sponsors have come through people approaching us rather yeah. than us approaching other people. And if we go to approach people, it's like, we go, what the hell's a podcast? I'm yeah, not going to get anything out but of that. To be honest, that's probably been a frustrating thing because really we should make a lot more money. And again, mm. we're not complaining because we love what we're doing. But but it is really interesting when you look at magazines, which are a bit of a dying trade. Mm. Like, who buys magazines now? Yeah. When no. was the last time you were? Because no, you used to always buy magazines. Yeah, no, I don't buy magazines. Yeah. No. The only time I'd buy a magazine is uh, is perhaps travelling, getting on a flight somewhere. Yeah. You know, Belinda does too. <laughs> when I travel with them. Did I, when I travel with the Jean and... Maybe maybe to Kona? Maybe I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did actually. They bought lots of magazines. And I, I, I don't buy magazines, John, but I felt obligated to buy a magazine. They buy lots of everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you need to be like Phil, the material provider. Yes. Uh, John, what you got? Oh, sponsors... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Team Oxygen Addict. Nice. Get some coaching team. And our patrons. And one thing I will say about you guys, it's been fantastic. Just to carry on what Bevan was saying, the feedback we get from sponsors is wicked. Yeah. In terms of that, and that's what's frustrating for me is. Um, we know we had value. We know we had really good value. And we've, we've had sponsors on here before. We've gone, I've never had anything tangible from anywhere else where I've advertised and got a really good response straight away from yeah. being on the show so thanks for you guys for supporting our sponsors yeah, for, yeah. and the ones who aren't with us now like Coffees of Hawaii God, mm. Albert and what they you know for the show and we had some funny ones remember the cartoon guy yes yeah, remember that you know so we had some funny sponsors over the years as well so yeah all the sponsors thank you very much for supporting the show Jombo what's your goss what's my goss not a lot of training got done last week getting oh, ready for the race yeah. um, which was pretty full on but I kind of anticipated that built that into the mix what's the goal for the race moving forward um, well, I'm in negotiations with triathlon. The, the idea is to try to have it as part of the national series next year. Oh, wow. Um, which, which they're, they're really keen. You. Well, it means to get more out of towners coming in mainly. Okay. Uh, just gives it a slightly better profile. You're able to get a bit more media coverage potentially. But the challenge is going to be, and this is what I'm going to have to work through, is it's part of the national series. 
how much control do I lose? Um, you know, I was just thinking when I was writing up here, you know, I want to have a standalone website and things like that because yeah. you've got to build a brand. Yeah. Um, and then if you're part of the national series, you yeah, just get lost. Just get lost. So the idea is ideally part of the national series and and next what year about have fees it, and stuff like that? Do, do, do they take control the, of that side of it? Or? The, yeah, that's all the stuff we've got to kind of work through. I want it to stay as a local a, event. A local event, but in a, I don't want to raise my entry fees. I don't want it to be hundreds of dollars. So well, for it's really interesting because I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago about triathlon. Someone who, I can't remember who it was, but they they know triathlon really well and they're quite in the sport. And, and they were saying that's the biggest problem of triathlon in New Zealand is that the, the races that the, the organisation put on, just, the fees are just mm. astronomical for what they are. And for people, everyday people, it's just pushing them away from the sport. And like, mm. what were you charging for your race? It was sixty nine bucks if you got in, and then it was seventy early enough, and about three or four Which weeks is before. Really great for, for and, the race, and you always and, put on a great race. Yeah, and seventy nine bucks for, for late entries. So, um, yeah, I want to keep that. I don't want it to be an expensive race. Um, I need to. I need to make money out of it, but I don't want it to be expensive. I want the money to come to me from sponsors and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other big push is to try to make it a uh, an ITU points race because we can have a a five k circuit that will have a nice little oh, grunting really? hill in it um, and I've looked at the fees in that and, and I've put in a big application to the council actually closes today and if I get that then it'll be um, so do I tell you points race. race so then you'd get people you, you wouldn't get world class you'd probably get some Aussies coming over and it'd encourage maybe a few people to come and train down here so yeah. it, you'd hopefully get the best New Zealand athletes so be good and for then the get a bit of, bit, of, uh, bit of international stuff a bit like the house of travel race just having a really good close race um would be would be cool draft legal race and and so then people can do their race in the morning kick back and relax and, and watch the other race coming through it's really interesting when it, just as you're talking about that because i like what you john's always been kind of trying to keep the innovation in sport you know like if you have to try doing a double try and stuff and and one of maybe the disappointing things about the last 10 years is there hasn't actually been much innovation in triathlon mm. you know really when we think about since the show's been on it's Ironman, it's half or 70.3s, it's Olympic, and we're seeing a little bit of innovation at the Olympic level, but we haven't really seen a massive mm. amount of, it hasn't evolved a lot, has it? From the main bodies, it hasn't. So no. there's, there's, there are spin-off events, you know, um, Kelp Man and all these wacky sort of challenges, but from the, the main governing bodies, they've really much, very much towed the consistency line of uh, standardised courses and, and that John Hallamans was our event patron at the weekend who we've had on Legends of Triathlon and you know, he was saying this is great to be back to back to how, how it used yeah. to be and, uh, and, and, and a really challenge. Saying on his page wasn't mm. it? They said, they said, there was a guy there, Derek Murray, who listened, listens to the show. He said, back in the day, they used to have a race uh, out near, near there, and they'd, they'd swim. They'd have like uh, three marshals on the course. You'd swim there. You'd bike into town, and uh, and you'd just bike in, and you'd, you'd get, they'd say, go down the street, and you'd end up okay. in town, and then you'd run around Hagley Park in the middle of the centre, uh, oh. and you'd just run a lap around the park. <laughs> no way that's happening nowadays, is there? Nice. So... So what else, my goss? Uh, not much training. Get back into it this week. Really looking forward to the weekend to, to get some good stuff. Oh, that's not till end of end of June. Oh, okay. So that's about it. And um, go off to do my blood glucose test now. I'll be looking forward to having a little bit of food at about uh, ten or eleven o'clock. You've been morning. fasting, haven't you? So when did you stop eating? Uh, after di dinner time last night. So do you have yeah. a night snack? No, you don't normally. No. Oh, okay, nice. No. Nice. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Apart from your your aging body. Uh, no, I'm actually feeling really good. It's just little injuries. Um, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's, it's yeah. a bit of a kind of a, a step back to an old life in some ways, which I'm kind of looking forward to. And also seeing some old faces because, you know, when you're not a part of the world, you don't really see the people. So that'd be kind of fun. And also meeting some of the listeners because I know we've got some people yeah. coming who... So we've got guys coming, a few guys coming from Australia. Yeah. Um, we've got one guy coming in from Singapore. Wow. He's come on, um, he's come on uh, one of our camps in Kona, so he knows lots of the locals. So a good chance to catch up with him. And then we've got um, the Canadian coming in from Canada. He's an Aussie that lives in Canada, so he's kind of, I think, going home for a trip and sort of doing it on the on the way back. And uh, a few guys from Wellington coming down. So T-Rex a try and the Mountain Snail. So it's yeah. going to be a fun weekend. There'll be, be a few stories and a few laughs coming out of that. So that should be good. Um, other than that, Jombo, no, no, nothing really. No, just took it over really back into life. Mm-hmm. Way next week, but it's, it's not that exciting. Mm. No, there's no goss. Went to, I've already talked about Batman Superman, haven't I? Belinda said to me the other day, she said, Would Thomas, well, Thomas, Thomas, one of Thomas's friends wants to go to that. And I said, No, no, it's not for no, kids. no, I don't think that's going to be appropriate. No, it's not for kids. <laughs> yeah. How old is Thomas now? Jeez, he's looking older, but isn't he? Because I saw the photos of the triathlon. Felicity aged up by a day. Oh. So in, we had a kids' aquathon, and we had the I had a five to six year old category, seven to eight category, and nine year old category, and that was a lot of fun. It wasn't that many kids doing it? We had about ten or fifteen. Um, but Felicity aged up the day before the race it was mm. her birthday, and so she was in the seven to eight year olds, and uh, not so good. So so she, she, she's I don't know where she finished, um, but her little friend, who's the Philinator's daughter was in the five to six-year-old category, and she took it out. Oh, it's well. always good when you need only one in the category. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she did it. But yeah, I, I saw the photo of Thomas. I was, gee, he's growing up. Mm. He's coming a young man now, isn't he? How old is he now? He is, so he's turning nine this year. Wow, so it all changes. These next few years are really fast, because you've kind of got that pre-kind of teenage period, mm. and then you've got the teens happening, and so, yeah. Mm. So. No, hard, hard line with Thomas. He... Pushes our buttons. Starting to, to push the edge a little bit. Mm. Oh, it's always, it's only just begun. <laughs> okay, guys, that's this week's show. Jonbo. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.